It's nice to be back. Whenever you uh, are away from home for a while, it always feels good to be back. Um, let me just give you a quick sketch of how we got back, because uh, we got into the house a little before 1 a.m. Uh, this morning. We, uh, we left uh, Little Flock Children's Home your time Friday around, uh, I want to say, 11 a.m. So a bus ride from the orphanage to the airport, Chennai Airport, waiting for a few hours, flight from Chennai to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Chicago O'Hare after a layover in Frankfurt, circling Green Bay for a while because of thunderstorms in Chicago area, uh, shuttle bus from O'Hare to Midway, Chicago, to catch a Southwest flight to San Antonio, two hours delayed due to all those thunderstorms. So we landed around midnight last night, and by the time we got our bags and got home and uh, stumbled into bed. Uh, one little story, I hesitated to tell it, but you know, I have, I've uh, been tr- doing a lot of international travel, so I have a prescription for my doctor for something that helps you sleep when you're jet-lagged or in some other time zone. And so I took one of those little pills last night and... Uh, I woke up this morning, so listen, I woke up this morning on the floor in my closet. (laughs) And I don't remember how I got there. (laughs) I was like, this bed is kind of scratchy. And then I'm looking around and I'm in the closet and and it's light out. And uh, so I have no explanation. Somehow in the night I got up to do something and there was some pants that that had come off the uh, hangers and were on the floor, so... That's a little bit about my state of mind. So uh, this, is, this is just an update on a, a summer mission trip. This is uh, for Vineyard, the second summer that we've had folks from Vineyard San Antonio go to uh, a faraway place in India. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And Cindy's also going to come up here in a few minutes and, and give an update. And we'll see if this little guy is going to advance the slides for me or not. What do we think? Does it have to be powered on? All right. I'll let my trusty technical guru here. You can go ahead and click to the next slide, though, if you want. We can do it the old-fashioned way. Aha! See, this takes special thumbs. So I want to I want to just put this. Um, thank you. Put this in a context. I think while I was gone, the last uh, I spoke at church on the 24th of July, uh, the first of I think three weeks on outward. So we have that uh, upward, inward, outward, forward. Um, which is a little how I feel this morning. And, uh, you know, the outward is about kind of how we as followers of Jesus uh, reach out to the world. And one of the ways that we reach out is we reach out for the people that God has especially uh, identified as people that he cares about greatly. And there are uh, orphans, widows, poor destitute and oppressed could all kind of be put into that same category. But basically, people who are somewhat defenseless in the world, who are uh, vulnerable to being taken advantage of, who are often mistreated because of you know who they are, where they come from, God has a special place in his heart for those kind of people. And uh, Little Flock is a children's home, and it's one of the ways in which God's people are trying to bless the people that God loves. And so just to kind of put this a little bit into a, a biblical context, we have this passage in Deuteronomy. You can look in the Bible. There's a lot of references to God's heart for poor, oppressed, destitute, orphans and widows, foreigners in the land, right? So here in 
San Antonio, we have many foreigners who've come from other places. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So that's just one of many, many scriptures that you could look up about God's heart for people who are vulnerable, people who are society often considers least. So Little Flock is an organization that was formed in 2004 uh, with the idea of starting a children's home somewhere in the world, probably in India. The founder is an Indian woman. She was uh, born in Chennai, India. used to be called Madras before the British were uh, left India. And she was grew up in a Hindu family and was a Hindu, but through, the, through a long process of searching for God, ended up coming to the United States to go to college and became a follower of Jesus. And uh, has really, she's a very amazing lady, VG, who's the president of Little Flock. So in 2004, this idea, this organization was formed, going to have a children's home somewhere, probably in India. And I joined the board of Little Flock in the fall of 2004. Cindy and I have five children. Three of our children are adopted. And so... You know, we've had some experience with adopting and with international uh, children and some of the issues around that. And so, you know, logically made sense to join the board. Didn't understand at all what I was signing up for when I agreed to go on the board. Didn't understand when I was signing up for the first time I told Clara I would speak in church either, but that's <laughs> sort of a related pattern here. Um, at the uh, end of 2004, day after Christmas, there was this horrendous tsunami that happened in South Asia, and it impacted Indonesia, and it impacted the east coast of India. And because of that tsunami, Little Flock, which was conceiving of a children's home at some point, decided this is the time. And so in 2005, found eight acres of land in South India, about uh, an hour's hour and a half, depending upon traffic, drive south of the big city of Chennai, near the coast, maybe 10 kilometers from the coastline that was impacted by the tsunami and uh, broke ground and began building cottages to start a children's home. Mission of Little Flock, it's dedicated to healing and transforming the lives of orphans, widows, and their communities through the love, hope, and truth of Christ. And if you want to, we're getting our website updated. It's starting to look pretty good and it'll continue to improve here. So just kind of get you oriented as to where that is. Uh, this summer, this team that we just came back with, we were the third team to visit Little Flock this year. There was a, a medical dental team that went in January. There was a team from Northern California that went in June and did some kind of heavy construction of a part of the perimeter wall. And then this, this team was uh, 27 diverse people from uh, Arizona, a lot of Cindy's family members, California, Michigan, Karen uh, Chong, who used to remember... Um, Chris and Karen, who were part of our, have now moved to Michigan. She's going to law school at University of Michigan. Well, she came in. Um, family from Missouri, Texas people, Washington State, and then British Columbia, Canada, all came together in different directions. Some went east, some went west, but we all ended up in the same place in India. And there's a little uh, view of India, and so you can get an idea. of Mumbai, Bombay is on the west coast of India, just about opposite and a little bit north. So we're talking South India. Um, India is a place of a lot of different languages, a lot of different um, cultures within the Indian culture. And so 
you could learn, you could spend a long time learning about uh, India. But at any rate, South India is fairly, I would say, fairly peaceful, uh, predominantly Hindu. You will see a fair number of Muslims as you move around. And then there are Christians, and you'll see Christian churches and a lot of Catholic churches and such. So, And Little Flock is uh, in a little village called Hanumantapuram, which is um, rural India, kind of out in the uh, rice paddies and farming agricultural area. And uh, it is, uh, I would say, completely Hindu where we are. And so... Um, while we were there, we would there were some festivals going on. There was uh, some loud noise and some different uh, celebrations going on of various Hindu uh, traditions and gods. And uh, Hinduism, for those of you that don't know, is uh, a polytheistic, so a mini-god religion, something like three million gods in the in the Hindu belief system, and nobody knows all their names. So, and Jesus happens to be one that fits in there nicely, but he's just one of three million. Getting back to the theme of God's heart, Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says that Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. So we broke ground uh, in 2005. That was my first trip to India. And uh, by the 2006, my second trip, we had actually completed construction of 10 cottages. They're about 1,000 square foot each. They're designed to house 10 children with a couple of caregivers. Um, not, you know, luxury living by any stretch, but substantial brick construction and uh, tile floors. And, you know, by India standards, actually pretty nice. And the first batch of kids were welcomed in 2006. This is a, a picture I just took from this last trip, and it's, it's significant. The, the woman on the right is the mother of one of the boys there. His name is Mani. He was a street kid, a pickpocket. And um, I think she's probably too poor to care for him, and there's various circumstances with uh, an abusive father and stuff. And anyway, so Monty's there, so she came to visit, and she comes maybe every couple of months whenever she can afford enough money for bus fare to come. Very sweet lady. And that's not her daughter. That's one of the kids at Little Flock. That's Mina. And it's just, I thought it was a great picture that captures sort of the, the family sense that you have there, that somebody else's mom, well, it's a mom. And there aren't enough moms, right? And so you kind of just latch on to the moms, and the moms are very welcomed. And um, she's a Hindu, but I, you know, I honestly think that at some point she'll come to know Jesus' love and, and will become a follower of Jesus, that there's a, a lot at work in, uh, in Little Flock in that way. And this idea of placing the lonely in families, and I'll, I'll touch on a few stories about the kids a little bit later. So at this point, um, I'm going to let Cindy tell you a little bit about kind of what goes on when you go to India, and I'm going to get out of the way so that I'm not a, creating any feedback here. I need to say that um, after not having much sleep, um, bear, with, bear with me. What? <laughs> I woke up in bed. I didn't travel last night in my sleep anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little fuzzy. It's It's... A uh, long and grueling trip. Actually, um, the the travel itself is the hardest part for me because not being able to lie flat for over 30 hours is uh, hard on the heart of the body, and you start to get a little a uh, little crazy. Anyway, um, little flock is uh, or India in general is uh, not a really easy place 
to to be. It's um, it's hot. Um, it's um, it's like camping to some extent. It's it's pretty. It's rough in it, and so you're you're taking bucket showers. Um, the electricity goes off every day. Um, you have so, so because electricity goes off, you don't have air conditioning. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, the boys' cabin this year had air conditioning. Our cabin had no air conditioning the entire time. So it was, don't laugh at that. <laughs> it was difficult. <laughs> we were sweating at night. So um, it's, it's just, it's a hard place to be. It's a humbling place to be. Um, because we come in and we live kind of that life for two weeks. But then we get to go home. And the kids and the caretakers are there all the time. This is their, this is their life. You do your own laundry you in a bucket, and you wash it on a big stone, and you wring it out by hand. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of things that are hard. This year, we encountered flies. Viji told us, well, August, I guess it's the month of flies. We had never encountered so many flies. But flies and bugs are all part of the, all part of the, the life there. So it's it's a hard it's it's a hard place to live. It's humbling, um, but it's it's good. I mean, it's you come away being very grateful for what you have. You you're grateful that you, when you go into your bathroom in the morning and you turn on the faucet, you have clean water and it's and it's on. And uh, you flip the lights on and you and they go on. So there's just a lot that I. I always come away being very grateful. I, I threw a load of laundry in the washing machine this morning. I, I said, thank you, Lord. I have a washing machine. So um, it's things like that that uh, keeps me centered. So a day kind of in the life. I, I'm just going to give you kind of because my, my brain is not very se- sequential this morning. I'll just give you a few snippets. Um, this is Karen from our fellowship. Um, she had a wonderful time. Every every year, one of our main jobs at Little Flock is teaching the kids English. It's super, super important that they know English because that will be um, their ticket, really, for success in life. They will, even if they get a job in the city um, working in a shop, they will have a better chance to get to be in a better shop if they're bilingual, if they know English. Um, But their chances of getting into any kind of college, technical school, everything um, it increases if they know English. So most of these kids are from the lowest caste systems. And so number one, being from a low caste, they don't, if they were to be with their families, they would not even have access to any kind of education, even in their own language. But because they're a little flock, not only do they have access to education, but they have, ac- you know, learning, um, you know, math and science and and stuff in their own language. But they have access to learning English. So um, when we come, we divide up the kids in uh, groups of two. That we had uh, one team member for every two kids this time. We had plenty of team members, so um, we got to work with the kids, you know pretty one-on-one or um, two-on-one. It was great. And so it's their opportunity to really increase their um, language skills. Do you want to click it? Um, 
So that's probably the, one of the most important things that, that we do um, for the kids um, besides prayer. And I'll touch on that in a second. Um, the other thing that we do is we do send teams every day into the village school um, to they do songs and teach a little bit of English. That's more in mass groups, though. They've got like 100 kids at a time. They divide the kids up in groups of 10 and then team members go. So it, that's more um, more of a service to the community, to, to the village and to that school. Um, this is my dad. He's 75 years old. This is his very first trip, mission trip ever. Every, ever since I was little, um, my parents have always been supporters of missionaries. Um, I remember people from Ethiopia, Africa, you know, South America coming through our home um, when I was, ever since I was little, and they've always been supporters, um, but never have gone themselves. And my dad this year, along with two sisters and couple of nieces and nephews went and it was difficult for him if you can imagine 75 you know his health is good but it's it's hard living there but he was a trooper he did fantastic and the kids loved him and um, he will be going back to his home church in Arizona and uh, sharing what God has done for him and um, through Little Flock. So that's that's one of the kids he was working with. Um, that redheaded kid in the back it was my nephew, Justin. So and there he is digging holes. He was He's a hard, hard labor guy, so he was doing a lot of manual labor also. Sweat like crazy every day. His shirts were <laughs> totally wet. Um, gardening is another part that we, when we go as a team, there's always gardening to do. We did a lot of planting this year, planting and weeding. Um, we didn't have a, a major um, project like last year. Uh, Daniel and some another guy built an incinerator to deal with all the the garbage problem. But this year we didn't have kind of a major building project. We did just a lot of uh, gardening and uh, sprucing up of the of the grounds. They're beautiful. The, the grounds are beautiful, and there's a lot of sp- space for the kids to play. So that's... Oh, the, the woman on the right there, the blonde woman, is a teacher that uh, works with Daniel here in San Antonio. She's a San Antonio native, so she also came with us. She heard about uh, Little Flock last year when Daniel and Esther went, and she supported Daniel and Esther going, and she said, Hey, have you ever... Go again. I I want to go, and so she ended up going this year, which was very fun. This was one of our garbage pickup uh, days. Uh, we get all the kids together, all the team together. Um, kind of Indian culture. You can't. It's hard for me to even describe the garbage problem in India. There is no no system for cleaning up garbage. Everything is just dumped, and they have piles and piles, and especially in the cities. Little Flock is, um, you know, we try to keep the grounds clean, and we're trying to teach them, but it just goes against their culture to pick up garbage. So we're kind of, we kind of made it fun and uh, did a sweep of the whole entire grounds, put all the stuff in bags, and then we took it over to that handy incinerator that Daniel built last year. You can see it smoking in the background. There's a stack, and... Uh, so that's all the kid, a lot of the kids and the team members, and we had bags and bags of garbage that we burned. So 
that thing works like a charm. Let me tell you. I think so. There's a couple little cracks from the heat. Yeah, but it works great. It works great. The thing about getting an incinerator built when we did that last year is because um, the way they kind of handle garbage in India is they just dig a big hole and dump it in, and then they'll eventually burn it. But what happens when monsoon season comes, which is starting now through December? I mean, they get flooding, huge flooding, and they're living. And so those those pits just fill up with water, and it's just a cesspool in there. It's, it's disgusting. So being able to burn them off, burn the garbage off the ground is a huge help. We actually have a picture, Daniel, of the fire like coming out of that door at least four feet tall. <laughs> Composting is another thing that we're trying, slowly trying to teach them. Again, it just goes against their culture. But um, So everything, plastic and everything, goes in the compost bin. So we're trying to, we picked all that out and tried to, Show them no, just eggshells, greens, gar- you know, kitchen waste, things like that, and then you can put it in your garden later. So, uh, what else do I have? This is the picture of the um, the sewing uh, ministry that Little Flock has, and Clara last year really helped out with this ministry. One of the uh, caretakers in at Little Flock uh, during the day, she's a, a seamstress during the day. Uh, Women from the village will come, and they have uh, pedal sewing machines that they work with their feet. And she has a whole, uh, Felicia is the woman that um, does this program. She has a whole uh, kind of curriculum that they go through. They draw all their own patterns. They cut them out of newspaper. Um, all of their embroidery things, they, they hand draw and then sew them. So she has them do uh, go through a whole little curriculum, and then at the end, uh, these women from the village, um, who are Hindu, they come into Little Flock and they take this little course. They get a certificate that they have passed the sewing course, and then um, through a micro lending program that Little Flock offers them, they can purchase a pedal sewing machine, take it back to their village, so that they can start. Um, you know, having a way to have an income. So this has been a, a phenomenal ministry because it takes women from the villages and brings them into Little Flock. And they they hear, you know, they interact with the kids, they interact with the caretakers, they see us there and, you know, ask questions, and they, they know why we're there and that we're Christians. So it's it's a good good ministry. Is there anything else? This is um, a picture of uh, the four people on the left there are Rotarians. Um, in 2005, was it five? Yeah. Kevin, um, when we were still living in California, he was a part of a Rotary Club, and he started this project uh, joint um, with this particular Rotary Club. Um, to ha- They had a grant that they got um, passed, and a matching international grant, and this was the uh, Rotary Club that was the kind of the connection in uh, India. So this is the final payment. The whole project was about $30,000, and it went towards animals, the farm animals, the cows you see in the background there, um, all the fruit trees, the gar- landscaping trees, goats, chickens, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the woman in the purple is Chitra, 
She was the president when um, Kevin was the president of Rotary in 2005. Um, and then the woman that's handing him the check is the uh, current president. So um, it's interesting. These are all Hindu people also. And uh, when they came uh, a few years ago and took a little tour of the facility, they, we were walking around and they would say things like, this this place is um, different. This place is, there's something special going on here. They, get, they say, I feel, I feel it's different. And I would smile because I, I knew what the difference was. This was holy ground. So I think that's it. Is that it? L- let me say just a couple more things in closing. Um, um, one of the other one of the other things that we did, or two other things that we did that were super important for the kids besides teaching them English, is um, something that we started last year under kind of the, the guidance of Clara and, and Cindy. Um, is Cindy back yet from Afghanistan? Ah, yay. Okay. Um, so we started um, praying for each individual child. And so we would have teams of uh, two this year we had teams of two uh, from our from our team and we would bring the kids in um, and ask if they wanted prayer just by themselves I mean they, they do pray a lot they're a praying bunch of kids they have group prayer they're in their devotionals in the morning and in their evening they pray before every meal but not very often do they get prayer just for them just by themselves and so we're able to pray with them individually, bless them, um, and they love it. They last year, you know, it was a new thing, and this year, they, um, you know, they, it was like they they came running. They they waited in lines to be prayed for, and some of them came twice. And we said, "Have we prayed for you before?" <laughs> Actually, in Indian, this means yes. It, when you bobble your head back and forth, so if you ever see an Indian, if you ask them for something and they go like this, that means yes. So we never quite, <laughs> okay, we'll pray for you again. <laughs> but they loved being prayed for. They soaked it up. And some of them, last year, I, ca- I had forgotten this, last year we had given each of them um, a Bible verse to, that kind of blessed them with. And this year we didn't, I, I didn't plan that part ahead, and so we didn't do that. And so some of them would even, you know, we'd be done and we would bless them uh, with the sign of the cross on their foreheads and 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 be done. And then, then they would kind of sit there and, Bible verse? Do I have a Bible verse? <laughs> so you can tell that they're, they're really, um, they really want it. They really want all the blessing and it's all very real to them. And I have to say that um, I noticed a huge difference in those kids this year. I And I... Have got to believe that it's the the prayer that is surrounding them and the prayer that was really started for them individually last year, for protection, for um, just for God to come near to them for the Holy Spirit. And it was um, I noticed that they were kinder and more patient with each other, um, more helpful to each other. Um, the older ones always taking the younger ones under their wings. Um, and helping them with stuff, so it was just sweet. It was so sweet to watch. Um, the other, the other thing that happens a lot with the kids that's important is just playing with them. And we had 14 teenagers this year, 
14 teenagers that we took. So that was exhausting for Kevin and I. <laughs> but um felt like dead mothers. But um but just playing with the kids, they have so much uh energy and joy um that it was really fun. And again, they don't get really they don't get that much attention just on them, just to play. And it was I had told the team, I said, any chance you can get Touch them, hug them, lift them, you know, carry them on your back. And that happens all the time. The kids just hang on you all the time. They run up to you and um, put their arms around you. And they, they, you can see they're just, they're just soaking it in. They just want to fill their bucket um, with touch and affection. And they, um, it just it fills them. And so we loved doing that. That's what, probably my favorite part is... Um, Besides being able to pray for them, is just being able to hold them and touch them and love them. It's it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. So these kids have um, they have a lot of joy. And Kevin will be reading a couple of stories of the a couple of the kids, but um, they have nothing. You know, they really have nothing material as far as material goods. In fact, I took light sticks um, for them. This year, and one dark night, we had turned off all the lights, and we gave them two light sticks each, and they played for a couple of hours out in the dark, and it was it was phenomenal. And the next day, and a couple of the boys came up to me that night and said, "Can I have the tube? They want the tube that goes in." And I had so I only had six tubes, and I only had. Um, you know, and I had like 12 kids that wanted them. So I thought, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So they have a, a a man that stays with them now, a Pastor Davis. And he's done a phenomenal job with uh, kind of nurturing their spiritual life and loving them. Um, so I thought, I'll just give these to Pastor Davis and he can do, you know. I mean, they, the kids wanted them for pencil boxes. And so he gave them out as the next day as prizes for um, answering Bible questions during their devotional time. And at the end, when we were um, debriefing with the team members, um, our youngest team member, who was 14, um, shared, every, everybody shared what was significant for them. What? Oh, she's 11. Yeah, she's 11. Um, everybody shared what was significant for them during the time. And this little girl from Berkeley, California, she just broke down and sobbed. And she said, she said, these kids were so happy and joyful when Pastor Davis, when they answered the question and they got to get a prize, which was the tube that these light sticks came in, which would have been a piece of garbage for us. But they were so joyful that they got to have this thing that um, they could put their pencils in. And she said, I, she, she, could hardly, she could hardly speak. And I think it kind of, it hit all of us that, yeah, they don't have, they don't have hardly anything. I mean, all of their possessions are in their cabin. It's in a, it's in a metal box um, that's about two feet long by nine inches tall. And um, they they just don't have much. But the joy that um, radiates from them is like nothing I've ever seen before. 
So it was very humbling to be to be there as it always is. So one afternoon, uh, I looked up. It's a little hard to see in this picture, but there was a cross floating by, little flock. I mean, it was as clear as could be, two straight swatches, and uh, sort of these dark gray clouds parted, and there was a cross. It's kind of amazing. Sort of symbolic, I think, of the whole experience. Uh, This is kind of a cool passage because one of the things about going year after year, this was my seventh trip to to India, is... um, some things that you do, it's kind of a two steps forward, one step back, and I was mentioning that to some of the Rotarians, and they said, well, you're lucky it wasn't three steps back because it's a lot of things in India, it's two steps forward and three or four steps back. Uh, but this is a, a scripture that I think is significant about anything that we do. So, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work, for you know that nothing you ever do for the Lord is useless or in vain. So every little thing that you do, planting sending, praying, anything that you do that is for the Lord, it's not useless. It has a purpose, and it has. And I think, you know, when we end up on the, after this life to the next life to the life after life after life uh, or life after death, that one that I talked about before, you know, we're going to probably be surprised by things that we thought were maybe a little bit insignificant, but somehow they had some kind of purpose in, in God's plan and design. So I want to quickly just... Uh, close here with a couple of stories. Um, this is G. Kausalya, as to be distinguished from D. Kausalya, who's another Kausalya. And uh, she's the sister of um, a boy, Sanjay, and a, her little sister, um, Gayatri. So I want to just tell you a little bit about her story. Kausalya uh, lives at Little Flock with her brother, elder brother, Sanjay, and her younger sister, Gayatri. Her mother, uh, Paramalam, which means sweet fragrance, left her children at Little Flock knowing that she did not have long to live. Her husband had abandoned the family, and she knew that no one would be able to care for them. Two weeks before she died of cancer, Paramalam came to visit her children for the last time. Before she died of cancer, um, she came to know the love of Christ because she saw her children cared for, uh, being cared for at Little Flock. So that's kind of one example. She was a Hindu. She was dying of cancer. Somehow she found somebody who knew something about Little Flock. She put her children there so that they would be cared for because, she, she, you know, what else is going to happen to her children, right? Where's the, which agency is going to step in and make sure that they're cared for? And just because of what she saw at Little Flock, the way that they were cared for and the times that she was able to visit, instead of being buried the Hindu way, she was buried as a Christian, um, so which is it's an amazing story, right? One other little vignette. This is uh, Yeshishwini. Not an easy one. Amu, Amu, if you want to go with the easy name. She has a brother, Gautam. Um, They've been there now two years. Both of their parents were burnt alive. While the family slept, the children's step-grandmother threw kerosene fluid on the couple and deliberately set them on fire. Yeshishwini saw her mother and father burn in the flames. The mother died of her injuries that night. The father survived two weeks. Their step-grandmother was angry because she demanded more money from their mother's family. This has to do with the dowry, right? When the additional demand could not be met, she decided to set the couple on fire. 
Dowries are a major problem for many families in India. The cost of the bride's family is significant at the time of marriage, and sometimes demands continue even after the wedding. Fire is a common method of murdering family members who have become a burden or a disappointment. So one of the things that uh, this came through, we, we did one of the things we did as a team is we shared testimonies. And um, it's interesting when you hear someone's testimony, you know, you, you meet a person, you sort of in your mind size up that person perhaps. Some people have a perhaps a bad habit of doing that, figuring out, I got this person figured out. And then you hear their story and you realize, oh, you know, they have so much more that's happened to them. And there's so much more behind. And it's with these children. You, you encounter these children. And I will say that the quality that all the team members shared together was they are so joyful. They are so joyful considering the circumstances and not even knowing, not all the team members understand all of the histories that are involved here. But if you just imagine seeing your parents burned alive in some family crazy uh, dispute, you witnessed it. There's no counseling. There's no therapy. There's no, you know, there's nothing services-wise. Just come to, you're in Little Flock now, you and your brother. Family disaster has happened, and there you are. But somehow there is joy. God is doing something because he cares for those who are vulnerable, those who are helpless, those who have no defender. And so um, anything that you do to support, to uh, help out, any of those categories I was talking about, Poor, destitute, oppressed, right? Foreigners, widows and orphans. You're actually serving Jesus directly because these are the people that he especially cares about and he does not want to see them uh, kind of getting lost in the shuffle of, uh, of everyday living. So I'll close with this. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. One of the things, we, uh, VG was able to come a couple of days while we were there. She was sick most of the time. Um, her mother also is very old, is a Hindu lady for almost all of her life, has just recently seen a couple of visions of Jesus and has decided that she's following Jesus. She's almost 90. And uh, VG, who's the president of Little Flock, you know, comes. She, she led a group of Westmont students on a, a journey through different uh, ministries in India. They went up to... Mother Teresa's place up in Calcutta. They visited a number of sacred places. And then she was responsible for this team, and then she's responsible for Little Flock business. And then her mom fell out of bed and hurt herself, and so and then she was sick. So there was a lot of kind of spiritual stuff happening while we were there. Uh, but one of the things that, that VG talked about when she was able to come is that, you know, there's missions is not sort of an optional thing, right? It doesn't mean that everybody has to be a missionary, but there are, any of a number of ways that you can be involved with missions. There are obviously people who go. So if you decide to go on a, on a short-term missions trip like we've done, like others have done, it's really good because it gets you out of your comfort zone. It gets you to someplace else out of all of your support system. And, you know, stuff comes up and you encounter God differently in that situation than you would back home where the rhythm you know, is familiar, right? The patterns are familiar. So you have that. You can go. You can be a sender, right? You can be somebody that sends out. You can be someone that prays. 
Anybody can pray. We all should be praying. You can support financially, right? You can mobilize. There are people that are mobilizers that not everybody's going to go. Let's be clear about that. But people cannot go unless they're sent and unless they're supported and unless they are covered in prayer, unless there's financial support, and unless there's people that mobilize people to care for some of these different issues. And these are complicated issues in the world. You know, my first uh, encounter with India was, it was completely overwhelming and undoing. I was so stunned by the poverty that all I could do was cry. My first week in India was just a daily crying for what I saw. But at some point, you've got to move beyond either being numb or in shock and overwhelmed to deciding, okay, is there something I can do? And it comes back to that nothing that you do for the Lord is useless. So you do something, right? And Little Flock is, it's not solving the problem of orphans in India. There's something like 12 million. But right now for the 43 kids that are, that are at Little Flock, it's making all the difference in the world. And so thank you for the support that this body has provided for that. And uh, we're happy to have gone. Bittersweet to come home. Uh, we've got some long-term relationships with some of the kids, so there's, you know, it's, it's, it is a tug on the heart to say goodbye. Realize, you know, we'll be back in our normal life, and they'll be there. Um, but it's good to go. So, thanks. The, um, for ministry time, I think. You know, I'm available to pray with anybody that wants to be prayed for. Cindy is, is willing to pray. Um, I don't know if there's anything else planned. I am going to ask them to, I've got a picture of each of the 43 kids, and I was just going to put the slideshow up on, on loop. So if you want to look at some of the faces of the, the kids that are at Little Flock, for those of you that have been, see some familiar faces. They change a lot in a year. It's amazing how much difference there is. So that's all I've got planned right now. All right. God bless.